Welcome to Because I Want to Know, the podcast where I interview guests about their crazy, unique occupations or life experiences. I'm your host, Leslie Fear. So let's get into it, shall we? Hey, everyone. Today, I'm joined with Christina Curran, my resident psychic medium. This is probably her millionth time on my show, which is not enough because I love her and she's such a good friend of mine. Welcome to the show, Christina. Thank you, Leslie. I'm so excited to be back. (laughs) I think, well, listen, guys, what I do, Christina and I, we go back and forth with hypotheses on things that we hear about or we are curious about, and I'll get her take. Sometimes she'll even get my take, believe it or not. And I've recently interviewed someone who talked about Agartha, the hollow earth theory. Of course, I've always been fascinated by the Mandela effect and also just a simple energy and what happens to it. So I thought we'd just talk about those things and anything else that comes up. So recently I interviewed someone who talked about Agartha and uh, she's a hypnotherapist and she actually doesn't post any videos on her TikTok about situations unless more than like 10 or 15 people say the same things. They don't know each other. They just start talking about certain things. And that was Abby Eisminger. And then I asked Christina, I was like, Christina, what do you think about this? And you're like, listen, um, this is kind of what I'm getting. So let's talk about it. Christina, what are your thoughts about Agartha? So that's such a great question. Um, So this is what my guides have told me about Agartha kind of over the years. So for anybody that has heard about like hollow earth theory, and basically, you know, the concept that there's a whole civilization that lives within the center of our earth. Um, That's kind of the concept that we're talking about here. Now, there was a guy, I believe his name was General Bird, that did a, almost like a quest basically through, I believe it was Antarctica, um, back in the early 1900s. And according to his journals, he wrote basically that as they traveled through some of the central parts of Antarctica, they saw this big opening and hole basically that kind of entered into the earth, basically. And as they entered into this hole, he said it was almost like entering into a doorway. Suddenly they saw that there was an ocean inside the earth, that there was another sun inside the earth. Um, And they basically encountered all of these higher dimensional beings on the inside of our earth. Many of them had the appearance of like, if you want to call them extraterrestrials, some of them had the appearance of, beings that they could not even begin to describe because they had no kind of reference point. Yeah. But basically he kind of described it as a physical place that was within the earth. Now I got to say kind of the jury is still out with me in terms of if it's a physical or a dimensional type of place. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But from my understanding Agartha is this place, basically a kingdom that exists within the earth that is a civilization within and of itself. Okay, and I'm blown away by that because I'm thinking of all the places in the universe, why are they picking the middle of the earth? I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, is it because there's an interdimensional aspect that we have over other places? Is it because we have a certain atmosphere and that atmosphere translates better where they are? Maybe they don't need as much whatever, but they still get that from us. I mean, what do you think the reason for that is? So two separate things I'm hearing my guide saying right now, actually. Um, Number one, so I get the feeling like some 
ancient races of peoples over the years were driven underground in some capacity. And I'm not entirely sure why. I don't know if there was something going on on our atmosphere or within our atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Like specifically, they're showing me like uh, during the extinction event of the dinosaurs. And I get the feeling like they're using this as an analogy. But basically, like if you remember when that asteroid hit, it knocked out a lot of the healthy oxygen within our atmosphere. It deposited a lot of nitrogen, a lot of, I believe it was like excess carbon dioxide and other minerals that basically made our air unbreathable. Mm. And they're giving me the feeling like there have been several of these events that have kind of taken place over you know, the millions of years that this life has been in existence. And this had the ability to kind of drive some of these races of beings underground, basically. Mm. Okay, no, that makes total sense. Because I was like, why, you know, would you just all of a sudden appear there? And that makes sense that it's going to have been an evolution for that period as well. Yes, yes. I get the feeling like, and I, I think that you and I talked about this as well, but I don't know that it's our entire center of the earth either. I think it's almost like little pockets or like yes, little cubbies basically within the earth um like i don't get the feeling like it's completely the center of our earth that this is going on in right and what blows me away is that there's a sky you know if if you're talking about little pockets in the earth there's a sky and an ocean and atmosphere and what i mean (laughs) what yeah yeah you know a part of me and i think this is also my human brain kind of talking but a part of me still has a hard time kind of you know digesting that very aspect of it how is there a sun how is there uh, an ocean how is there you know breathable oxygen down there and my guides are always like you don't have to know (laughs) you have to know all the stuff (laughs) yeah it kind of makes you wonder about the atlantans you know it kind of makes you wonder about atlantis and maybe that's where some of that situation went to i mean they were very advanced maybe they started something down there i don't even know what do you think about that Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, according to a lot of legend and from what my guides have told me over the years, Atlantis was kind of largely a mix of both actual people like human people as well as extraterrestrials. And I think a part of it was also ultra terrestrials, ETs that, you know, what we've talked about in the past, there are ETs that come from outside of our planet that come from space. I think there's another large part of this that are higher dimensional beings that come from within our earth as well. Not everybody is coming from outside of the earth. So I think kind of a part of Atlantis was both extra and ultra terrestrial beings as well. And that sounds exactly like what they're talking about in Agartha. You know, that sounds exactly like the same kinds of things. So, and I think that there was a theory that when Atlantis went down, some of the people escaped and went to Egypt. I think we've talked about this and helped build the pyramids, right? Yes, that's what I have been shown over the years. I've seen it many, many times in Meet Your Spirit Guide sessions. Um, Basically, like spirit guides will step forward and say, hey, you know, we lived during this period in Egypt. And they'll basically show me, you know, hey, you know, we actually started over in Atlantis. Apparently, from what they've shown me, Atlantis was within Africa. It was just off the coast of Africa, kind of adjacent to where what we know today is Nigeria. Okay. Yeah, from what they've shown me, eventually Atlantis kind of sank into the sea, almost like a massive sinkhole Mm -hmm. took place. So I believe that a lot of the survivors of Atlantis migrated inward into Egypt, you know, just from proximity after Atlantis fell. 
And you know, that brings another thought to me. And you know how we do, we will do a rabbit hole quickie, guys, just so you know. Uh, <laughs> you know how, you know, Atlantis fell. Do you think because they were getting, and I think we've talked about this as well. Do you think because Atlantis was getting so advanced, do you think the extraterrestrials stepped in and said, nope, kind of like how we do with our nuclear weapons kind of thing. They're stepping in, trying to keep us from doing those kinds of things. Maybe Atlantis got a little further advanced. Do you think they just allowed natural disasters to take it down? Do you think they caused it? What do you think about that? From what I've been told kind of over and over and over again, Atlantis, like you said, was very far advanced in terms of its technology. They had the ability of time travel. They had the ability of you know, just worlds apart from our technology, at least from what we're aware of currently in our time. Specifically, like time travel was a big thing from my understanding. Now, they said that eventually Atlantis kind of got a little big for its britches. They started basically dabbling with the Higgs boson particle. Um, And yeah, they were basically trying to create dark matter and their own universe, even like maybe perhaps even their own black hole. And from what I've been shown, the powers that be over on the other side saw, okay, something funky is going on in Atlantis. They are dabbling with some technology that they shouldn't. Yeah. The other thing that they showed me was they were doing some uh, DNA splicing. They were basically splicing human and animal DNA together to create a race of slaves. Oh, no. Yeah. So this is where the legends of like the centaur and the minotaur come from. Um, basically, they were creating like these half animal, half human breeds of species in order to be like a race of slaves from what they showed me. And this was going against the laws of nature. Yeah. Now, we're doing this today in our time currently. If you remember, you know, CERN currently is dabbling with yes. the Higgs boson particle. And also, we do a lot of dabbling with, you know, human and animal DNA. You know, if you want to think about it, you know, these bovine valves that they yeah. use, pig valves for heart transplants and things like that. We yeah. should not be doing that, from my understanding. Oh, really? But, you mm-hmm. know, the Higgs boson, you know, in CERN, it does make you wonder, is that what causes this weird Mandela effect? And we were going to talk about that as well where there's little time slips or little time hiccups. I don't even know what to call them, where all of a sudden Chick-fil-A is not spelled the same way. All of a sudden Mandela didn't die in prison in the 90s that I thought, because I literally remember that because I've always watched the news even back then. And I remember hearing he died in prison Um, or, you know, Berenstain, Berenstain Bears. I mean, what is going on? You know, it's so funny. So the Mandela effect. Now, the world will tell you that it's large scale false memory. I think that that's crap. (laughs) But basically, you know, talking about the Bernstein Bears, um, my mother taught me to read with some of those books in the late 80s. And I can remember her saying, okay, what is the E-I-N sound like when she would get me to sound out Bernstein? Mm Mm-hmm. So it used to be EIN. I remember that specifically. Um, So why does this happen exactly? I think that there are a couple of different things that can account for why this happens. Now, number one, I think that part of this is a mystery that we'll probably never be able to completely understand and put all the puzzle pieces together for. But, you know, as we all know, we live in a quantum field of energy, right? Everything is energy. And there are multiple timelines that kind of occur that we can move the collective consciousness into at any given time. You can kind of think of it like 
being on a four lane highway almost right. when you're kind of merging on that highway you're in the slowest lane basically as you're trying to merge over to the left this is similar to being kind of like on this 3d plane you're moving slow you're not ascending as fast as you could basically and as your consciousness is evolving you're kind of moving and merging into those far left hov lanes right right and the higher the timeline that you're in the further left you're going to merge right right and each time you merge a lane you are basically recalibrating that timeline from what my guides have shown me with yeah yeah with every choice that we make with every you know basically each time we engage in free will this will move us in and out of these different lanes on that highway right mm -hmm. so if the collective consciousness is kind of vibrating at a certain speed very often the collective is going to remember something in a certain way because we're in that particular timeline. Right. But as our consciousness evolves, we might shift out of that particular timeline and the details of that timeline might change small little details from what they've shown me again, small little details, like the things that we've noticed in our general reality. Chick-fil-A was never C-H-I-C-K to no, me. It was, it was that, always no. C-H-I-C. Exactly. Because I used to say, it's Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I know. I remember going, you know, and you and I were both into English. I was an English minor. I think you're an English major. And, you know, that's the first thing we think of, guys. When we see something misspelled, we're like, oh, how cute. They always advertise cows, C-H-I-K, you know, eat more chicken, you know, that kind of thing. And so, you know, you always see the misspellings on their advertisements, right? So when I saw that, I was like, oh, how cute. So so chic filet, C-H-I-C, was just something that, that I thought was kind of funny, you know? But then all of a sudden, no, it's always been C-H-I-C-K. No, it has not. No, it yes. has not. <laughs> so, yes. But it lends another thought, though, and we talked about this yesterday. We talked about energy never dies. It only changes form. We all know that. We've talked about that many, many times. Energy is also a thought away. Like, I can decide to get up and drive to work and grab some coffee before I go. Or I can decide, you know, I'm just, I'm not in a good mood. I'm just, oh, I'm just not going to go get coffee. I'm just going to punish myself and just go to work and just drink their crappy coffee, whatever, right? Okay, simple as that. But those tiny little decisions you make can make a huge world of difference because the one decision you didn't make is still available and still playing out. And I'm like, does that absorb into you? I know we're getting really deep, guys. Does that absorb into your original decision? Or does that just like dissipate? Or does it just move on? And does that explain a doppelganger? Does that explain this whole Mandela effect? Is it because of all the billions of decisions we all make within an entire day, just one day of each other? You know, uh, how does that affect the Mandela effect? How does that affect the doppelganger situation? How does that affect ghosts? Because they're all on different little timelines, right? Yes. So some of y'all might be scratching your head saying, <laughs> I don't know what y'all are talking about. <laughs> so let's think of it this way. So all of us that are female and identify as female very often have had to make a decision in terms of our romantic partners, right? right. So let's use this as an example. Yes. So many of us have gotten ready to get married at various points in our lives, right? Right. So each of us have probably had to think very carefully during those certain times about, okay, should I get married to this person? Should I not get married to this person? Is this the best person for me? We weigh these decisions out usually prior to making our final decision. Right. So what Leslie and I are talking about is what happens to the energy of the decision you don't make. Mm 
So if you decide to marry somebody, what happens to the energy of the decision where you didn't decide to marry them? What happens to that exactly? So from what my guides have said, and this was also studied extensively by Dolores Cannon in the book Journey of Souls as well, but basically Dolores found that the energy of the opposite decision that we don't take still plays out in some capacity on an energetic level. So let's say, you know, you're getting ready to marry somebody, you've gotten engaged and you decide halfway through that engagement, ooh, I don't think I should marry this person. This isn't the right person for me. And you end that engagement. Right. Somewhere on an energetic level, another version of you has married that partner. Mm. And that energy is playing out on a different plane in the quantum field of energy. Yes. So Every decision that we make, both big and small, still plays out energetically. I think this is why sometimes we have dreams where we are still in that relationship. Because on an energetic level, we are playing out the opposite choice that we did not make. Exactly. And it's got to kind of play out somewhere. And so whether it's your dreams or a doppelganger or, you know, whatever, because I do know you told me the other day that a long time ago, you really wanted to work at the mall, but you weren't able to. But you kept dreaming that you worked at the mall. And then you also had people saying they saw you at the mall. And you're like, what? So explain that to me a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So when I was in my late teens, um, I was, you know, just still trying to find a good job that I could work kind of part time while I was going to school. And we had a couple of malls local to us. And I really wanted to work at the mall. All of my girlfriends kind of worked at the mall. I wanted to work at the mall. And my parents said, no. So I was kind of upset about that. I felt, you know, some kind of way about that over the years. But during that time, what was really odd about that, I started having dreams that I was working at the mall. And at the same time, I started basically hearing from my friends, you know, we would all kind of have these different meetup times where we basically have day dates with each other. We'd go have lunch, different things. And, you know, let's say I went to go pick up one of my girlfriends On several different occasions, I would go pick up a friend to go grab lunch and they would say, how did you get to me so fast? I just saw you at the mall. (laughs) What? And I would be like, what do you mean? How do you, I wasn't at the mall and they would argue with me. Yes, you were. I talked to you. You were walking through the mall. I stopped you. You said, hey, you know, I'll see you, you know, in just a little bit. But they were basically trying to rationalize what they had experienced as they were saying this. They would all say, there's no way you could have gotten back this fast. How are you here so fast? And this happened more than 10 times, Leslie. (laughs) Well, you know, we didn't get into it because I was like, let's talk about it on the podcast. Because do you think it was that wish that you really wanted to work there is what kept that energy going and what kept it going for other people to see for however many months or years or whatever it was? Because I'm just like, guys, if that's true, and I have a feeling it is, the power of our minds, think about that. Mm-hmm. Yes, we all greatly underestimate the power of our own intentions and our minds. I have to think that that's a large reason why that happened. Because I was kind of salty about that for a good year, maybe two years that I could not work at the mall. So who's to say, I think that that's definitely a big reason why I was experiencing that. Because I mean, hand to God, Leslie, 
I could not swing my purse for a good year and a half without hearing somebody saying, I just saw you at the mall. How'd you get here? And it's like, it got to to a point where I would get annoyed with it. I would say this again, like I'm here. There there must be like some clone of me walking around basically. (laughs) Well, you know that, like I said, that may not explain every single doppelganger because I don't know if they saw your face or they just saw you walking or whatever, because I'm like, well, if you worked at the mall, why didn't you go to, to a store or walk into a store? And I think the fact that you and I talked we decided that maybe it was because you wanted to work at the mall. You didn't decide where you wanted to. So they just literally saw you walking. But to me, that can kind of also explain doppelgangers. And I think there's other ways doppelgangers can occur, but this might explain one way. Yes, absolutely. I think that, you know, like what we've talked about, if every decision that we make has to play out in some capacity, whether we made that decision in our waking life or not. Now, granted, you know, I don't know if this plays out. I feel like it plays out probably on the astral plane in some respect. And this is why we often dream about this stuff. But I mean, yeah, who is to say, right? And then another thing is too, if your friends saw you more than 10 times, that energy in my mind can evolve as far as what I understand. And it can gain a conscience. Right. Absolutely. You know, something that's interesting is, you know, like what we've talked about, everything is energy and nothing rests. So the more attention, the more energy that's sent to a particular topic, a certain issue, a certain event, you know, as we've said, where attention goes, energy flows, right? So because I was so salty, basically, about the fact that I could not work at the mall, it lends credence to the fact that, okay, was there this energetic version of me basically making laps around the mall because I was trying on some level to decide what shop I was going to work in in that mall. Yeah. I don't know who's to say. Do you think that also can cause tulpas? I think that could definitely be a reason why tulpas happen. Uh-huh. Because, I mean, it's pretty much the same thing if you think about it. A tulpa is just the energy of a collective consciousness thinking or believing in a particular thing. Yeah, and that's the so, thing, and it's gaining energy. So it's actually a thing now. It's not just a thought. It's an actual physical thing that you're seeing. Right, right, exactly. Who's to say? I mean, if the collective consciousness focuses on something for a long enough period of time, I would imagine that uh, collectively, if millions of people are thinking about that, that could give something a sentient consciousness, I would imagine. And we talked yesterday, because it all kind of ties together, all of these things, poltergeists, tulpas, um, Mandela effects. It's all about what we seem to think or put our energy in, and then they become kind of a thing. Right, exactly. Thoughts are things. (laughs) Yeah. And you don't think about it like that. You're just like, how is this occurring? And then you're like, well, wait a minute. How many other people think this way? Oh, maybe that's why we're all feeding it. We're all giving it energy. You know, I mean, it's kind of like Loch Ness monster. I think at one time there might have been some kind of prehistoric animal in that lake. I get it. But I think because people really wanted to see it, people really gave it a lot of energy. Sometimes you do. And maybe it is an interdimensional thing to where it really does exist. Maybe it does. There's so much we don't know about our oceans. We know more about space than we do our own oceans. So maybe it does really exist. But maybe, just maybe, we caused that to exist or we cause it to be seen because we really wanted to. I don't even know. Right, right. Who's to say? I think that, gosh, especially in the world of like cryptozoology, there is so much in our Earth 
that has not been discovered from the land to the oceans. Um, you know, it's like you said, we know more about space than we do about our oceans. Yeah. So who is to say, you know, that there hasn't been some survivor of, you know, the dinosaurs extinction event that, you know, continued to live for a period of time. Now it would be the greatest hide and seek player that ever lived. Right. <laughs> well, and it's like Bigfoot too. I mean, you know, but I do think it's an interdimensional thing. If those things really do exist. And I kind of think where there's smoke, there's fire. There's maybe something to this because it's kind of like all the things that, that Atlantans we were talking about them just a minute ago, when you said that they were trying to incorporate human DNA with animal DNA, but then, you know, and this happened around the pyramid time, guys, this was thousands of years ago. These people had that technology then But then all of a sudden in Greek mythology or, you know, Egyptian mythology, whichever one you want to believe in. And you're like, wait a minute, where there's smoke, there's fire. Maybe this was a thing. And, you know, we're just getting the tip of the iceberg on the things that maybe happened back then. But there's no written record because things just don't survive like they do now. We don't have the technology or maybe we did. What do you think about this? All right. So that's a great question. So I think that you know, the way that information has been spread, you know, kind of over these thousands of years is really interesting. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, a lot of this stuff has been sacred knowledge, first off. And I think that there have probably been groups that have tried to maintain the secrecy of some of this stuff that we are just now learning and kind of just scratching the surface Mm -hmm. of. Um, You know, Dolores Cannon talked about this extensively in her work that there was just these, you know, secret groups basically kind of over these different generations that really tried to preserve some of the sanctity and, you know, the mysticism of their work because of some of these more organized religions that were moving into the area that were trying to basically gain this knowledge for their own and stamp out the original participants. Um, So I think that part of it has been a changing of the narrative from some of these more organized religions over the years. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's a big part of it, number one. But I think, you know, no matter what, like what you and I have talked about, whatever is done in the darkness will come to light. So I think that even if there has been an attempt to conceal some of this information over the years, no matter what, that truth will eventually be acknowledged and shown. You know, with Abby and the other hypnotherapists that I hear and see on TikTok or YouTube, you know, they have the advantage of being able to post some of their sessions. Yeah. And so when I see a video that Abby or whoever, there's other people, Tracy Ventura, she's another one, very good one, that are hypnotherapists. And because I asked her, I said, do they just all of a sudden their higher selves just start talking? She goes, oh, a lot of times they just go into their higher self. Yes. Because the conscious mind, their own soul conscious mind may or may not know the answer or they're not ready to understand that answer. So the higher self will take over. And I'm like, wow. But you see a difference. But then the wisdom that comes from the words that the higher self says is absolutely astonishing. And like I said, when I spoke to Abby, and I'm sure it would happen when Tracy or Dolores Cannon, if she were still here, they would all say, I would never talk about it. I would never even consider telling anyone anything if it hadn't been a group of 10 or more people, maybe even more than that, saying the same dang things. You know what I mean? I mean, they all talked about Agartha. They all talked about, you know, the Mandela effect. They all maybe talk about whatever it is we're talking about today. Ghosts, you know, um, how soul works, how contracts work, 
how we, you know, how many guides we have, you know, our shadow work, all of the things. And they all talk about the same things. They, these people do not know each other. They're as random as random can be. So to me, that absolutely lends validity. It really, truly makes me think that this is a true thing. And, and I think that's why I'm even more in tune to talking about this, because I see and hear what these people are, are saying. And I'm like, what in the world? So my point is, this stuff is really real. And for so long, you know, we're in this little bubble of, oh, we just, we get up, we go to work, we have our daily jobs, and we come back home and we have dinner and we watch the news and we go to bed and we do it all over again. There is so much more that we can be just talking about and look forward to just on a daily basis that we're just not even exposed to. And I love this about TikTok. Oh, yeah. I think that you know, something that I experienced when my awakening first started was we live in a really magical and mystical world. Yes. And we are just conditioned to think that that stuff is fairy tales, that that stuff is legend. And it is not. <laughs> no, I mean, it had to start somewhere. I mean, really, uh, Greek mythology alone, that whole concept had to start somewhere. And then when you told me the Atlantans were dabbling in human and animal DNA, well, there's the start. And all of a sudden, you know, we've got the man with the ram's body or Medusa or whatever. We have those kinds of things in mythology. And some of them are good. Some of them aren't. But that's just human nature for any of it. And it's like, what? Right, right. You know, something that my guys have told me for years is legend isn't legend. It is based in truth in some capacity. Yes. It's just been, we've just been conditioned to think that this stuff is fairy tales. And I'm here to tell y'all it is not. <laughs> well, I'm telling you, the more that I talk to you and just other people like you and, you know, some of the people that can hypnotize and those kinds of things, because if you really truly are hypnotized, there's no ego regardless, you know, um, whether it's just your soul talking or if it's just your higher self talking, there's no ego. There's no, no one's trying to show off. Um, she said a very few handful of people can't even go under. They just can't release their bodies to do that. But most of them can. And it's just astounding to me the things that we can discover, even within our own selves. And that's why I encourage people, you know, at night when you're worried about something or whatever, you guys just, you have guides. You have angels around you. You know, of course, God, source, whatever you believe in. They're there to help you. All you have to do is ask them and say, you know what, just make me more calm, make me more confident, make me less apprehensive about something. They'll help you. You just have to ask. And that's a very simple thing and simplifying a lot of things we've been talking about. But it's there. This is not mythology. This is not mystical. This is not make-believe. This is true. This is true for you. And you have access to it. And your mind is, is an amazing thing. Right. If you want to think of it this way, like your mind, your brain is a quantum computer. Yes. Think about that. Your brain is a quantum computer. My guides have said this for years. Your brain is a literal quantum computer. You create your reality with your very brain, your noodle, basically. Right. I mean, there's a reason doctors incorporate placebo pills, guys. There's a reason they do that. Because our minds are so powerful, some people literally heal themselves with something they think is going to heal them. And it's just a sugar pill. Well, think about it. Like how many times have you heard of people saying, you know, I was having this random little symptom. I felt fine. And then I go in to the doctor and they tell me that I've got advanced cancer and I'm dying. Basically, yeah. there really is something to be said about the awareness of our health. 
you know, yeah. our perception is our reality. Most people, you know, you hear it over and over again. They have this random symptom. They ignore it because everything else is fine. And only once their perception is changed by someone else, do they start to decline, basically. Right. And, I, and listen, I'm not discounting, you know, medical technology, but I do think that we do have the ability in some capacity to heal ourselves. I really do. Um, and I, yeah, and I think it's, it's just one of those things where I say this in so many of my podcast episodes, if you just open your minds, guys, and get out of the box and think in a positive way, you know, a very positive way about yourself, what you can do to heal yourself, what your angels, what your, what God, what your guides, all of the instructions, because they'll let you know, yeah, you need to go ahead and go get whatever, or you need to stop doing whatever, and that'll help whatever situation is. But I do think that we have way more control over our body and our health than we know. And you know, I've had this thyroid condition for years, and I had it because my mother had it, and my sister has it. And it's almost like I want to say, because heredity, you know, I'm kind of bound for it, but I've heard, no, you don't have to be too. And I'm like, well, how do I get rid of that? Well, I've been working on it. I don't know if it's ever going to change. Um, in my lifetime. But I do think that sometimes you can even change those things. You know, what do you think about that, Christina? Oh, absolutely. I think that, you know, and something that I learned in Reiki is that often every illness that we have has some sort of emotional root at its core, right? Yeah. You know, what we don't express, we repress. And any repressed emotions, very often, if they're repressed for long enough, can manifest into physical illnesses. Now, you talk about like thyroid issues very often have to do with our throat, speaking our truth, Mm -hmm. how we speak to ourselves in our head in terms of our own internal thoughts and monologue that we have with ourselves. From my experience, too, very often, at least from what I've seen, at times, too, the thyroid issue can be rooted back to past abuse or being exposed to some sort of abuse in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's interesting that the female members in your family also experienced similar issues. It makes me wonder, did the female and matriarchal lines experience abuse also in their past? And perhaps it was passed down again, energetically through the matriarchal lines. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's true. That, yeah. But that's a true statement though. It really is. Yeah. So it, it really is something to be said first and foremost about kind of energetically and physically what's going on kind of behind the scenes. That's number one to think about. Now, the healthcare worker from the past in me also says, okay, you know, definitely always be checking up with your doctor regularly. You want to maintain good maintenance health because this body is your car that's going to drive you throughout this life. So I would never endorse completely getting rid of, you know, talking to your family doctor and things like that. Right. But however, I think that working in tandem with your current medication regimen by doing some energy work on yourself, you know, consider seeking out a Reiki practitioner or even getting certified in Reiki yourself or some sort of healing modality Mm -hmm. so that you can start unpacking some of the things from the past and start slowly letting those things go. And in my own experience of unpacking abuse from the past, often you don't even realize how much that affected you until you start reopening some of the moments that you can remember. And it's wild how much emotion is kind of packed into those experiences. Oh, I'm sure. And you know, does that have anything also to do with shadow work or is this a separate situation? So I think shadow work 
can kind of hinge off of our healing work, right? I think that shadow work is identifying kind of why we do the things that we do, why we behave in certain ways. Um, And I think, again, as we start to discover about our own healing journey in terms of, you know, uncovering some past trauma and abuse that we've experienced, very often at the same time, we can say, okay, based on the things that I've experienced, why do I do the things that I do now? Why you can also examine your triggers as well. Okay. Why am I feeling jealous in this moment? Is this valid for me to feel jealous? Mm -hmm. Am I feeling jealous because of something that I learned in my childhood? Yeah. You know, I can trace that back for myself um, in terms of, you know, when I experienced jealousy in my, you know, younger years, very often it's because of something that was imposed on me from my childhood through the matriarchal lines in my family. So shadow work is asking us, why are our patterns the way that they are? Why do I behave in the way that I do? And sometimes that can be really brutal. (laughs) I know. And you know, what's so great about this is that Christina is a Reiki master and she can help you, you know, with those things we just talked about, you know, your inner dialogue, whatever might be ailing you. She can get to the bottom of it and maybe help you in the way of healing you that you never experienced before. This is the kind of stuff that I know she can help you with. I know I probably need her help with. And uh, <laughs> anyway, so, and I know she has to go, but Christina, besides Reiki, what else can you offer anyone who wants a reading from you? Yes. So I also offer Meet Your Spirit Guide sessions. During that time, I channel three of your spirit guides on your spirit team. We figure out what your past life connections are uh, with each other. We also figure out what kind of spirit guide they are for you currently and ways that you can begin connecting with them moving forward. I also do intuitive and mediumship mentorship sessions through my spirit chat phone calls. And again, like Leslie was saying, I do Reiki certification classes and Reiki sessions as well. Yeah, I'm telling you guys, and she's fantastic. Of course, you know she is. She's always on my podcast, and you guys always want her to come back, and you have wonderful questions that I get to ask her. So, Christina, I, as always adore you. I'm so happy that you are my resident psychic medium. You're just a world of knowledge and I adore you. Thank you so much, Leslie. I'm so glad that I got to be here again. Thank you. Well, I love providing because I want to know at no cost. So if you like what you heard, please leave me a five-star review or you can just buy me a cup of coffee. It's kind of like a Patreon, but you don't have a monthly subscription and you can give whatever you feel led to give. I am a one-woman show and I do all of my scheduling and my interviewing and my editing. So just know your support is so greatly appreciated. And one more thing, I am a paranormal romance novelist and you can find all of my books on Amazon. Just look up my name. I'm very easy to find. Thank you guys again and I will see you next week.